Hi there, it's Nikki. I wanted to take a quick minute to make sure you knew about our free on-demand copywriting training. Whether you're brand new to copywriting or you just can't seem to hit your income goals, this training is for you. You'll learn the three secrets to landing freelance copywriting work without wasting time on frustrating job bidding sites like Upwork and Fiverr or cold calling strangers. And if you've listened to any of the student stories on this podcast, this is the exact same training they all got started with. I'm talking about Kate Kay, who's making six figures working part-time and who just retired her husband to help her run the business. Stuart, who replaced his full-time salary with freelance copywriting work, and then some. Stacy, who hit six figures in six months, her very first year as a full-time freelancer. Ashley, who landed the in-house copywriting job of her dreams. They all started with this free training, and you can get started with that same training too. Sign up right now at freecopywritingtraining.com. Are you ready to learn the keys to copywriting success? My name is Nikki Krawczyk, and I've been a copywriter for more than 20 years, writing for multi-billion dollar companies down to solopreneurs and every size business in between. My co-host Kate Sitars and I, along with the rest of the Filthy Rich Writer team, are sharing everything we've learned in our decades in the industry so that you can start and scale a successful copywriting business of your own. To us, being filthy rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do, and making great money doing it. Let's dig in. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Copywriting Business Podcast. Hello, Kate. Hello, hello. Hello. So today we're going to talk about results, uh, specifically the results that your copy gets for your clients, things like the click-through rate from emails or from ads or the open rate from emails or the conversion rate for sales pages or cart pages or any number of things. Um, and we want to talk about this because there are a couple of different angles that we need to approach it with. Uh, the first one is that if you have results and they're good results, then absolutely share them. Absolutely. If you talk to a client, the client says, oh, hey, I wanted to let you know that email, the subject line before you came in and did it was, was the open rate was, was 10% and your subject line gets us a 35% open rate. That's fantastic. Definitely share that as you put that on your, that project on your portfolio site and you go through the description of that project, share those results. That's terrific. Um, you may need to ask your client to get those results. In fact, I would say you might fine. Yeah. You're going to have to was where you were going with that. But also you might find some clients aren't tracking their metrics very well. So know that you might ask and they might might know the open rate of your email and have nothing to compare it to or not have kept good records of, you know, if they're doing a welcome series and they're like, here's what it was at some point in time. It just might be get messy is all that's to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the important thing to know about results is that they are a nice to have, but mm-hmm. they're not an absolute essential, which maybe you're thinking, well, Obviously, our clients are going to want to know the results of our previous work. Otherwise, they're not going to hire us. And that's just not the case. Again, it's nice to have numbers, but 
those numbers don't always directly correlate with exactly what you've done. For example, you know, if you have numbers for a sales page and the sales page, you rewrote the sales page, it was doing, it had a 2% conversion before, and now it has a 6% conversion of people purchasing. That's great. And probably, likely, uh, a fair amount of that is due to your rewrite. But there are always other factors. Did they also redesign it? That probably contributed to the lift as well. Did they change what traffic was going to it? Did they change Mm -hmm. what audience is going to it? Did they change when they let people have access to that sales page? Are they running that promotion at a different time of year? All of that can contribute to it, which means that that why well, I, I was getting a, a they were getting a 2% conversion and now they're getting a 6% conversion that's great but it's not directly correlated just to your copy so you can't say uh, well, I mean, you, you can say I rewrote the sales page and they were getting a 2% conversion before and now they're getting a 6%, but you can't say I am responsible for getting my clients to a 6% conversion from a 2% conversion. That's that's just not, that's not valid. Yeah. Um, and to just elaborate on that, to give even more of an example that might help illustrate it. So, you know, Nikki mentioned a bunch of things that could contribute to this and, you know, the different audiences they're sending there. So for example, if, if they sent people directly to a sales page, depending on the product, even if it's a, you know, 50, 70, hundred dollar product, people might not buy right away if they're just going straight there and they have no other context. This is the first time that they're engaging with this brand or this product or this offer, whatever it is. Versus if they started, you know, maybe they had lots of emails and they nurtured them and, then they got to this thing that they're like, oh yeah, this is fantastic. I, I, yes, buy, take my money. You know, it's a different, different audience. They're in a different mind space. So of course the conversion rate is going to be higher for someone who has more context to what is happening on the sales page versus someone who is seeing it for the very, very first time. So savvy business owners and, you know, business owners, whether it's business owner or an agency or whoever you're working with, your clients, savvy clients are going to know that there's lots of variables, lots of factors that contribute to anything being working well or not working well. Um, so on the other hand, if, if something doesn't work out, it's not all of your copy's fault either. If it doesn't, you know, whether good results, bad results, there's lots and lots of factors. And then just... Uh, <laughs> changing directions, but thinking of all the other things that impact results too, like I'm thinking about the the pandemic that we all just went through, like that was a huge global event that completely impacted probably every single business, whether good or bad, it impacted, it had an impact on everyone's business in some way. And so of course that changed the results and the metrics for everyone, for every business. And that was out of no one's control, you know, obviously. So remember that, that there's, there's so many, the variables that yes, are in the company and that we, we have control over, but then the variables that we just, no one has control over. Absolutely. And that's, you know, the pandemic is, is a big one, but they're like small things. Like you would be shocked at how much companies revenue fluctuates just if it's a rainy day. 
in a particular region. It's shocking how sales can decrease for brick and mortars and for restaurants and that kind of thing, or even certain types of restaurants. Just if there's anything you take away from this, it's not to freak out about results, because I know a lot of people like to, you know, uh, or don't like to, but feel that nervous energy of, I, I can't, how can I, how can I do anything? Or do I need to, do I need to make up results or do I need to overpromise the world? And no, you, you really truly don't. Your clients want to know, can you write in different brand voices? And so do you have the ability then to write in their brand voice? Do you have the ability to answer their brief? They would know, okay, this product or service or whatever you wrote copy for isn't the same most likely is their product or service or whatever. And their strategies and marketing is going to be different than someone else. Are they, who's running ads? Who's running, you know, what are they doing? What are they doing outside of whatever your copy project is that might influence those numbers? So they want to know just, are you going to have the ability to write in their brand voice and give them the best shot of improving whatever it is that they're doing and getting the best results possible, but they're not they know it's not apples to apples. Even mm-hmm. if you wrote two sales pages, it's two totally different mm-hmm. clients and audiences. And again, all the variables with the marketing behind that. Exactly. And this is a whole other topic, which we'll probably do a separate episode on, but that's also part of why we don't offer guarantees because we couldn't possibly, there's so many other factors that go into the results. And obviously we always do our best and we put our best foot forward, but our, it's very rare, except really in the case of, of a subject line open rate. And, but even that, I was going to say it's, it's, that's almost completely attributable to, to the copy. Even that, it's not because they could change up the time of day that they're sending it to. They mm-hmm. could change up the segment of the audience that they're sending it to. It's very few things are directly attributable to copy, which is one of the reasons why it drives me crazy when every once in a while I come across a copywriter's website and they'll say things like, you know, I'm responsible for $10 million of, of sales for my audiences. No, you're not. And, and if you think that you are, there's an even bigger problem there. You know, I've written for, for multi-billion dollar companies. You know, I don't say I'm responsible for a billion dollars of Adidas's uh, income or revenue. I'm not responsible for a billion dollars of Barnes Noble's revenue. I'm not responsible for it. It's, I am a contributor to that. And you as a copywriter are a contributor to that. And those kinds of numbers are all there is, 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 I, w- I wouldn't even call them vanity metrics because they're not valid. They're metrics. not grounded in. Yeah, exactly. There's nothing real to those numbers. So it's kind of a skeezy marketing tactic, yeah. is what it is, really, when it comes down to it. So yeah, it is. Um, and you don't want to be skeezy. And also, too, yeah. people will understand the the a savvy business owner or a business owner of any concept of <laughs> reality will look at that and will not go, oh, yes, okay, well, I can, I can get a million dollars from her or him. It's, that's, that's just not how it works. You, you are part of, you contribute to it. And the results are, any results that you're able to share 
you can say that you contributed to that, but you are not as a single person directly responsible for those results. So again, results are fantastic to have because they can help support. They're just one more way of supporting the fact that you are a good copywriter, right? You've got your website, which is is written well and presents you well and presents you and, and talks to your customer or your potential customer and gives them what they need to hear and know. You've got your portfolio, which demonstrates your skill. And then, of course, in your description, you give them some insight into the strategy that you use to create those. You've got uh, testimonials, ideally, on your website. And if you don't yet, go get some testimonials um, that will also support that. And then if you have metrics to share for projects, awesome. Cherry on top, fantastic. Um, But they're they're not an absolute essential. Um, some mm-hmm. clients may say, oh, do you have any any results that you can share? Um, and if you do have results that you can share, absolutely. But if you don't, all you have to do is just say, no, you know, actually I don't. I can tell you, I can tell you about the life cycle of this project and I can tell you what my client said about the project uh, afterward, but they weren't tracking closely enough or they didn't share those results with me or, or anything along those lines because that's the truth. You never lie, obviously. You never want to make up numbers. Um, but not having results is to share is not a deal breaker by any means. Yeah, not at all. And so when you're when you if you do ask your clients, you're like, hey, I'm curious how how let's use an email for example. Um, I'm curious how that went. How what was the open rate like? What was the the click through rate like? And knowing which metrics to ask for for which thing. So obviously if you wrote an email you're not going to ask about what happened on the landing page and how many purchases, blah, blah, blah. You might if you're interested, but that doesn't directly relate to your email. So thinking about each piece of copy, the the subject's line job is to get them to open. The email itself is to get them to click through. That next landing page, you know, if it, is, it does go to a sales page, for example, there are many paths this could take, so bear with me. But so <laughs> this is just an example. Uh, the sales page, the job of the sales page is to, you know, the ju- you could break that down even further. The headline on the sales page is to get them to read the subhead, is to get them to read the body. You know, everything is designed to get them to keep moving. Um, and so then ultimately the sales page, get them to go to the checkout page. The checkout page, get them to go to purchase. Um, but so then you're not necessarily blaming everything. Oh, people didn't purchase completely on the sales page if you know, maybe you get a lot of clicks through to the checkout and then that's where they, they bounced at the checkout point. Um, so you can't blame, you know, or I shouldn't even say blame, but blame or the opposite of that, you know, celebrate any one thing for being the piece of the puzzle. They're all related. value to it. Yeah. There's so like, Oh, well we didn't make sales the way we should have. It must've been the ads fault. No, there's so many steps in between. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And so it's a great opportunity, you know, if you did write the email, say, and that's how the series went, maybe there's an opportunity to say, okay, I have some subject lines we could test to maybe bump up, see if we can bump up that open rate and get it, get it a little bit higher. Um, but as a copywriter then too, Hey, I'd love to take a look at like, you know, I know I wrote this piece of it. Um, it seems like maybe this is where the piece of in the journey that could use a little more support. I'm happy to take a look at that. Bah, 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 bah. Um, and so it's an opportunity to repitch your clients and really look at where the opportunities are for them to help out that business and, and, you know, whatever, whatever things you're working on, you know, if you're working on a specific campaign or you're working on a specific, you know, sales of a specific product or whatever it is, looking at the pieces that lead someone to whatever it is the end goal that you want that person to do 
look at that with your client and and see where you can offer more value to them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's the thing too about the customer journey is making incremental uh, increases in a couple of different places can have major results for your client Mm -hmm. at the end. You know, yes, you increase the open rate or you increase the click-through rate because you were in charge of that email project. Absolutely. But yes, to Kate's point, what if you increase the percentage of people who click to the cart page, even just increasing it by like one or 2% can have a a half a percent. I was going to say, yeah. Yes. And then going back further, you know, if the customer journey starts with, with an ad, you know, can you increase, can you just mm-hmm. a touch, small percentage points, increase the number of people who click through or increase the number of people who opt in or increase. All of these little points are, first of all, an opportunity for you to help your client and provide value. And second of all, they're opportunities for you to demonstrate to your client how the work that you do only helps them build their business. And there are all kinds of little opportunities, all kinds of little changes, all kinds of the, the, the number of things that you can test in a, a, the, the full customer journey are just mind boggling, but also really, really exciting because you can be a part of that. And, you know, we were saying that the results are nice to have, but when you are more enmeshed in the whole process then you also too are probably more enmeshed in knowing what the previous results were to compare to the results that you got them. So you'll likely have those results. And at that point, if you're touching all parts of the customer journey, I mean, you couldn't possibly touch all of them, but if you are, if you are writing for, for the biggest parts of the customer journey, then those end results then you can start saying, all right, well, I contributed to an increase in X, Y, Z amount of sales or, you know, dollar amount or euro or pound amount of sales. Um, it's be include, although I really just only included a handful of countries, but you know what I mean. Um, that's when you can start saying, okay, yes, I contributed to an X dollar increase in, but results, unfortunately, I wish I could say like, oh, I was the person who did this. And therefore I'm proving to the world that I am valuable. No, it's not that it's not that simple, but also our value never comes down to just a dollar amount. Thank goodness. Our value doesn't come down to a dollar amount. And also our value doesn't just come down to the end result because we're not just producers, we're partners. We're there with our clients the whole way, helping them strategize the project, helping them make decisions based on our expertise and what we know and our messaging and helping them think through the project. Just there's so many, so many copywriters who say my clients were amazed at the first discovery call or in the first, uh, well, discovery and, and kickoff input call, because I was asking them questions that they had never taken the time to think about their, their product or their brand or their offering before we, we are not just a dollar amount result. That is not, that's such a small part of what we do for our clients. We are their partners throughout the whole process. So again, having results, fantastic, but it's, it's a nice to have. It's not, it does not reflect your value as a copywriter. And frankly, you know, having worked with freelancers before, some of the value is is not even related to the work you're doing. It's uh, the your process. Like, do I have as the client have to chase you down to get your work or to know where things stand or to you know 
am I the one controlling the communication or you as the copywriter freelancer, are you, you know, if you have a bigger project checking with your client, letting them know it's on track or, um, saying, Hey, here it is. And I need feedback by this date and working with them and being again, that partner that is so, there's so much value in that alone, uh, besides the, the, the work, your actual copy that you're writing. So just being a great professional and service provider, um, you can't, you can't understate the value of that. That's that's hugely valuable to clients. Mm-hmm. There's so, so, so many factors. So don't get hung up on metrics. No. Absolutely Don't not. put the pressure on yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't put the pressure on yourself to feel like you have to, to Nikki's point, to prove, you know, that that's your value because basically what I'm saying is don't use fake metrics, folks. Like just don't do it. Don't, don't feel like you have to do it. Yeah. Don't use something. fake metrics. Don't use vanity metrics. Yeah. And don't you might fool a few people, but in the long run, you're yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't confuse your worth with any results that you are given mm-hmm. because you are worth yeah. so much more than that in so many different yes. facets and ways. Yeah. Okay. So we hope that helped. We hope that gave you a little bit more insight, maybe calm down some fears. Uh, that's, I feel like that's 50% of what we do here. Education. Well, okay. Maybe 33% education, inspiration, and then just calm me down those fears. You're doing a great job. Keep doing what you're doing. And with that, we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye everybody. Like what you heard? Subscribe to the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast so you never miss any copywriting tips, tools, or tactics. And if you think copywriting might be right for you, check out our free on-demand video training at freecopywritingtraining.com. We'll catch you in the next episode.